That's always great, you know, that you can have whatever kind of day that you got. Some days are good, some days are a fight, right? But you can always come before the presence of God, and in His presence there is peace. In His presence there is joy. Doesn't mean that, oh, I just feel so great, I feel so joyful. It just Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I got some things to share with you guys tonight. You guys ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm glad to be up here. Um, I got a question I want to start out with tonight. What is our objective in being a Christian? Hmm. It's one of those things that, well, let's see here. <laughs> it's not a trick question. So yeah, go ahead and speak it out. Somebody tell me, what is our objective in being a Christian? Being, doing the works of Jesus Christ? Yeah. No wrong answer there. Yeah, go ahead. Sharing his love with others. I like it. Anybody else? To give God glory. There you go. I like that. So that is what you're saying there. That's the why. That's the why. You know, one thing I want to point out, though, as we talk about this objective of why we are a Christian and what's the point of all that. Jesus didn't die for our sins just so we could have fire insurance. So Jesus coming down to the earth to, to you know, uh, be crucified on the cross and to die for our sins wasn't just to redeem us for salvation. It's much deeper than that. What was God's plan from the beginning? Why were we created? Fellowship. Fellowship. Somehow, you know, it seems to me the sinner's prayer has maybe somewhat evolved a little bit into a fire insurance policy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? It, and I'm not knocking that people getting born again and, and giving their lives to Christ is, that's what we got to do. But there is a bigger point behind the repentance that I want to bring out tonight. What is that bigger picture? Because you know what? God's total plan isn't just salvation. He had a plan before salvation. There was a point where man was on the earth, created in the image of God, in God's image, and then man fell. And so then we needed a savior, then we needed salvation at that point. But before salvation, we were created in the image of God. And we all know that, but stop and just think about the magnitude of that statement. Wow, you and I created in the image of God. Uh, you know, it's God putting himself into our being, into this mortal body, into your bodies. It's an awesome thing. I mean, there's no greater thing. So we get born again back into his image. So it's not a matter of just being saved from our sins and, whew, okay, I'm going to heaven. Got the fire insurance. It's a matter of being transformed, transformed, glory to God, so that the dictates of the world don't have to tell us how we're going to be. The things I went through today are not Lord over me. Jesus is Lord, and he never changes, and he never fails. He's the Almighty, and he, he abides the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Glory to God. We've got victory. You know, God doesn't, I mean, he doesn't get his way a lot of the time. You know, there's people right now that are making the decision to go to hell because that's what they want to do. They don't want to, uh, they don't want to take the truth and embrace it. And so God, in his love and in his justice, he lets everybody have their free choice because he's not going to pretend. There, there's no falsity about this. You have the right to make your decision to reject the truth if you want to. But God has made a way out of his love for us. He's made a way for us to come back into fellowship with him just like we were before sin came into the world. That, that's a, a marvelous thing. Be transformed, it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world because really when you think about it, you know, if, if I let my feelings or if I let what you think about me be something that moves me, that's, that's really kind of a form of idolatry if you think about it. Because, you know, Jesus is Lord, no matter what anybody says about me or thinks about me, and you can apply that in your own life, no matter what's happened, no matter how I feel even, Jesus is Lord. And he don't have days where he has defeat. And well, you know, next day will be great, you know, but today was a bummer. No, with God, every day is a day of joy. Every day is a day of victory. Now, that's, that's a decision. Emotions don't rule us. We have them, and we use those emotions. God created us with emotions because he has them, but they don't rule him. And we have emotions to express. You know, we're not just logical robots, just, you know, doing the rules and doing everything just right, just out, because we're robots. No, we're, we're, we're human beings. We have feeling, we have emotion, we have intellect. And God, he just takes all those things, and if we allow him, he channels those for his glory. He's an awesome God. Amen? <coughs> Praise God. So when we give God all the glory, which is our objective, is to mirror his likeness and his glory on the earth. I think somebody said that. When we do that, we give him the glory. Praise God, you're so good. Lord, you're just so awesome. It don't matter what went on, on today. You're an awesome God. You're faithful and true. You never fail. You never change. Oh, God, thank you for being such a solid rock. When we do that, we're giving him glory. And you know what he does? He takes the glory, and he gives it right back to us. He gives us his glory. He, he lets us. You know, the glory is the manifested presence of God. Give that a definition, just so it's not like, well, what is that exactly? It's, it's the manifested presence of God, and it, it is an awesome thing. I tell you what, honestly, on a personal level, there's been, I don't know, probably three or four times in my life where I have physically felt the presence of God. I'll just tell you. And every one of those times that, that happened, I was going through something that was really arduous. It was, it was hard. It was difficult. It was, you know, you just had that feeling of, oh no, you know, just 
I mean, it's not good, not good. And, but during those times, and it seems like inevitably, it was in my pickup, you know, I'm driving. And that, something about being in my pickup, I need to go in there more often apparently, just to get his presence. But no, he, you know, man, God would, I remember on one occasion in particular, I was just, I won't go into the details, but I was just, you know, I was just, I was exhausted. I tried to solve problems that needed to be solved. Things were overwhelming. And I just cried out to God and said, God, I just, I feel awful and I'm just gonna praise you anyway. And I didn't feel like it. You know, I didn't feel like, bless God, you know. I just, I'm gonna praise you anyway. And when I did that, I just start praising God just in faith. Uh, man, his presence filled my pickup truck. It really did. And it was awesome. Just the manifested presence of God. And we don't need to go looking for experiences like that. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that his presence is real, whether we have you know, the feeling part of it or not. He is there. He is here right now. He's with us in our darkest night, in our darkest hour. And man, that, that particular occasion, it just, it really gave me a new strength. It was just, um, there's nothing like the presence of God. I, I was crying like a baby and then laughing like a hyena the next moment. I mean, I, was, I, I even thought in my head, I'm really glad nobody's in the pickup with me right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's an awesome God. Hallelujah. So moving right along here. So <clears throat> he doesn't just want to take us to heaven. You know, that's, that's not it. I mean, that's part of it, but not the total it. But to be in a relationship of oneness with all of us that is personal, real, and powerful. That's, that's God's plan right there. That is what matters most, the relationship. You know, we all uh, can appreciate the satisfaction we can get from our, our career and from different things that we can achieve in our lives, that's all well and good. Uh, and there is a satisfaction that comes with that. But you know, it's, uh, we, we understand that there's things that are much deeper than that. Hallelujah, thankfully. So what I wanna talk to you guys about tonight, if you wanna put a title to the message, I want to talk to you about a deeper walk. Man, I just, I had all kinds of ways that I thought I could do this message, but when I started to just put everything down, it came out all different. So that's just the way it goes. <laughs> so anyway, I'll give you what I got here. You know, I would start off by saying, as we're thinking about a deeper walk with God, uh, things that are valuable, you don't normally just see on the surface just there for the taking, you know. Um, I can remember when I, was, uh, when I was a kid, I was probably eight or nine years old. I lived in Olathe, Kansas. And I, I lived probably five or six blocks from a 7-Eleven store. And so, you know, being a kid, if I'd happen to have a little change in my pocket, which didn't happen near as often as I wanted it to. But if I happened to have a little change in my pocket, I'd, I'd walk the five or six blocks to 7-Eleven and look forward to a candy bar or something, you know. And I remember on one occasion I was walking along and, and 
I just happened to look down, and right there on the curb was a dollar bill. I was like, oh, wow, you know? You know that feeling when you see money on the ground? It's like, oh, wow. So then you pick it up, and then you just start looking all over the place to see if there's more, right? That's just our, you know, that's our natural instinct. There's got to be some more. But I picked up that dollar bill, and man, it's like, I mean, this, okay, this is back in the 70s, right? So uh, you could get a Snickers bar for 20 cents. So I've got a dollar bill. I could buy five Snickers bars. I mean, man, Uh, you know, just, I remember, you know, just being a kid, the feeling of that. I just, it was an, an elation, you know. But typically... You're not going to find treasure just laying on the ground like that. Like, like I'm not going to walk along and, oh, look, there's some gold. Huh, well, I'll just take that. That's great. Got some gold. No, it's not going to happen. If you want some gold, gold's out there. It's available. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to seek it out. You're going to have to strategize, plan, sacrifice, invest, and, and then you might not get anything. It's a huge risk. Uh, it's, you know, but it's there. Now imagine if one was to take that same attitude that you would take towards pursuing gold. You know, for instance, if I, if I knew there was a particular property that had gold in it and it had been proven that gold was there, well, I, I'd mortgage whatever I needed to to buy that land so I could go for the gold. I mean, I'd go for it, right? So imagine if we had that attitude, time and energy to seek and pursue God. I want, to, I want you to turn with me to Job chapter 22. We'll start in Job here. Okay, Job chapter 22, verses 21 through 28. Now acquaint yourself with him, verse 21, and be at peace, thereby good will come to you. Receive, please, instruction from his mouth. And lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. You will remove iniquity far from your tents. Then you will lay your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brooks. There's probably a message there, but I'm not going to dwell on that part of it. But here we go in verse 25. Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. For then you will have your delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. You will make your prayer to him, he will hear you, and you will pay your vows. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you. That, that just, that makes me think right there, Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Well, there's the Old Testament account of the very same thing. You know, when we seek God, when he's precious to us, boy, there's something there. There is an element 
of God's presence. I mean, it's just, you know, we're made in God's image. If someone, if I can tell somebody really appreciates me, and they just love being in my presence, I kind of want to be with that person, right? It's like, they make me feel good. I want to be with that person. Well, that's the way God is. If we appreciate his presence, he's going to want to be there more. Hallelujah. You know, and we just, it's not a hard thing to get into the presence of God. The Bible tells us all you, all you do is put on a garment. Put on the, cloak yourself with praise. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You got heaviness? There is an answer. It's called praise. It's called exalting Jesus above that silly problem. And the thing about it is, all the problems, the things we deal with, usually in, in a year's time, you know, that's, that's all under the bus. I mean, it's, you're not dealing with that anymore, right? Typically. And so, how great God is to just make it possible for us to not have to trudge through life. Not have to just, well, hope for the best and, you know, some sad country song type of thing. No, God has the best. Praise God. God is the treasure that we seek. We need to ask ourselves, I think, sometimes, did we become a Christian to be more comfortable? Did we just add Jesus to our portfolio on our road to success? Is he just a part of the plan? You know, I mean, everybody that's a smart investor, you got your stocks and you got this and that and you need to buy some gold and silver, you know, and you got to just have everything just proportioned just right, not all your eggs in one basket, you know, be a smart person and, and make the right investment. So here we are in, in our life trying to be successful. Do we just have Jesus added to our portfolio? Well, I tell you what, it needs to be more than that. Hallelujah. In him is the fulfillment of our destiny. Not, not just now on the earth, these precious few years we have on the earth, but our eternal destiny. In him is the fulfillment of that. I mean, we're going to live, we're, we're eternal beings. We're not mortal. I mean, this body's going south, unfortunately. But our spirits are eternal. We're eternal beings. We're made that way because that's how God is. He made us in his image. Hallelujah. What an awesome God he is. He is the purpose. So a deeper walk begins with desire. I want to go to another passage here in Colossians chapter 3. If you've got Bibles and want to go there with me, that's great. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Listen to this. If then you were raised with Christ, which we are, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Now, I've got the new King James translation here. I really do prefer, and I'm, usually I don't, I, I like this, but I prefer the old King James in how this verse 2 says, so in the Old King James, it says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And in the New King James here, it says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. 
But we are, create, we are raised with Christ, seeking those things which are above, setting our affection on things above and not on things on the earth. These are verses that you don't want to just read over, you know, like you're reading a novel. You want to just, you want to mull that over in your, in your spirit, you know, and let it soak in real good. Because that's where the life is. You know, God's saying he wants everything in our soul, you know, our, our mind, will, and emotions to be wrapped up in him. He, he wants that from us because that's what he gives to us. He gives us his all. Hallelujah. So good. So, yes, a deeper walk begins with desire. Desire is not necessarily something you have or don't have. Okay? Desire is an interest that you can cultivate. Set your affections on him, and your desire for growth and progress will come. When you have your heart in the right position, God will give you the keys that you need to go to the next step in whatever your purpose is and whatever you're doing in your life. We need to trust him with that, you know? I, I think a lot of times, I mean, especially when people are just freshly born again, you know, especially young people, you know, when you're young and maybe just out of high school, whatever, um, some, I think, will have the impression that, well, if I give my life to God, I'm going to miss out on all the fun. You know, it's like, oh, man, I don't want to miss out on all the fun. But that is wrong. That is wrong. There's pleasure in sin for a moment, for a season. But God is the treasure that we seek. He's the, he's the one that makes our dreams come true. Hallelujah. So, life is not about perfection. It is about progression. Line upon line, precept upon precept, glory to glory. Hallelujah. It's never boring. You know, God is not into uh, things that are mundane. I tell you what, the more that you trust God, the more adventure you get. Have you considered how the saints of old operated in power and, and the demonstration like they did? Kind of going on to a new point here. But uh, this is something that I just lately have really been thinking about. You know, I'm talking about Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Elisha. The list could go on and on. What is the one common denominator we see in their lives that puts them all in one class or one group? They radically knew God. They knew God. I mean, there's people that I know, right? I know Gala. You know, I know Stephen. I know Reed. And then there's Cindy over there. I really know Cindy. As we all should, our spouses. But that's what I'm talking about. To know at that level, that, that's what we're talking about. That's what these men, these great saints of old had. They knew God. God was their first priority. Knowing and obeying God was their whole purpose in life. They desired God, and they went deep. I want to turn to an account of Elisha here, just to 
illustrate the point. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. Okay, 2 Kings 6 and verse 8. This is an awesome story. Everybody's familiar with it, I'm sure. Um, I think the few, first few verses I will try to just um, cut a little bit shorter so I don't have to read the whole chapter type of thing. But basically, it's the king of Syria here coming up against the Israelites. The Israelites are always fighting somebody, right? And uh, he consulted with his servants, you know, and, and said, hey, you know, my camp's going to be here. This is a strategy. You know, you guys are going to go over there and this is going to happen and blah, blah, blah. So uh, then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of, of God had told him because the man of God, which is Elisha, told the king of Israel, um, by the way, the Lord's told me that what his plans are is thus and so. And so what you need to do is do thus and so, and you're going to win that battle. And so, therefore, in verse 11, the heart of the king of Assyria was greatly troubled by this thing. What that really means is he was really ticked off. That's the modern version of that. So, he says, therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? He, he's saying, what's going on here? We got a rat in our midst. You know, what's what's happening here? And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Isn't that great? I just, I just love that. I mean, you know, there's something about that that you'd have to know God pretty well to be advising a king based on what you believe the Lord told you in, you know, when, when the king was in his bedchambers. Uh, that's, that's kind of a whole other level there, wouldn't you say? So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, well, he's in Dothan. So therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. They sent a whole army. One guy, Elisha, sent a whole army. And they came by night and surrounded the city. How would you feel about that? You know, you're just mind your own business, obeying God, you know, doing what's right, advising the king. And suddenly there's an army surrounding the city because of you. Hmm. And when the servant of the man of God arose early, so this is, uh, I'm not sure if it gives his name here, but I think his name was Gehazel. It says somewhere else. So anyway, that doesn't matter. But when the servant of the man of God, the servant of Elisha, arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear. For, there, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And, you know, I'm thinking, wow. This guy was like, well, that sounds very poetic, but I don't see nobody. You know. So he answered, or Elijah, sorry, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. 
Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord. He said, Lord, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Let's stop right there. That is no small thing. <laughs> Elisha asked God to make the guys blind so they couldn't see. And God said, at your word, okay, I'll do that. That sounds a lot like Mark 11, 23 and 24. Whatsoever you believe in prayer. I mean, this guy, you know, this is what I want to say. With, with the men of old, they were generals, as far as I'm concerned, in God's army. They didn't get rattled. I mean, they had their mistakes, yeah. They weren't perfect. But they really knew how to fight spiritual warfare. They knew how to let Jesus, well, Jesus hadn't come yet, but they knew how to make Yahweh, God, be Lord of that situation and have victory. And they didn't even have the Spirit of God within them because Jesus hadn't come to the earth yet to release the Holy Spirit to be within all believers. They had the Spirit of God with them, but not in them like we do. And look at the authority that Elisha worked with. Uh, that is just amazing to me. And you know, another account that I didn't even write down, but Elijah, which was the prophet right before Elisha, he's the one that was the mentor for Elisha. Elijah, he, he commanded that no rain fall on, on Israel for three years. And God said, okay. And the thing about it is, what we need to see is it wasn't some random thing where Elisha and Elijah was using God as a slot machine, and I'm just going to put in this prayer, and God's going to give me this answer. It, it was a matter of they knew the heart of God themselves. It's like, you know, husband and wife knowing each other. There, there's a depth there where sometimes you don't have to say words. You can just have expressions, and, and you can communicate a lot, right? Because you know that person so much. And when you know God to that level where you're just so tight with him, that you know how he works, you know, he, he, you know how he functions, you know, I mean, you just know how to cooperate with him, you know? When we're at that place, God can do so much through us because really, to get to that place, you're just yielded. It's not about you. It's all about him. You're, you're just yielded. And God is free to, you know, and, and when he says something, you say, yes, sir, yes, Lord, here we go. I don't, I don't care how ridiculous that sounds. Here we go. You know, Jesus, led by the Holy Spirit when he was on the earth. And the Holy Spirit prompted within him to heal the guy that was blind by spitting on the ground and making mud out of the spittle and wiping it on the guy's eyes. Well, I'm sure that nobody's ever heard of that before. But, you know, that was the Holy Spirit's way of leading so that that, could have, that guy could have victory in that situation and have his sight restored. So don't worry about how ridiculous it might seem or what so-and-so might think. None of that. Man, there's, there's so much opportunity for us to flow in the Spirit of God. That's what I want to communicate. So they radically knew God. <laughs> Let me see if there's some other verses I was going to go over here. Yeah, there is. So, 
So the Syrians were struck blind. Now Elisha said to them, No, this isn't the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. Oh, this is hilarious. They ought to make a movie out of this. It's like, you know, Elisha said, no, no, you're in the wrong place, boys. Here, let me help you out. Follow me. And, and so they do. So they obviously weren't blind blind, as in, oh, we can't see. Uh, no, they could see, but they couldn't see with their heart because they weren't led by the Spirit of God. So, you know, anytime you're not led by the Spirit of God, you're open to being deceived. Well, they were deceived, and that should teach them to be led by the Spirit of God, right? So, <clears throat> so it was when they came to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open their eyes so that they can see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were inside Samaria. <laughs> it's like, how'd we get here? What, what's happened here? Was I asleep? What's going on, you know? Oh, I lost my spot. Here it is. <laughs> so, when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? We got them now. Love it. <laughs> but he answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a, a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Wow! Isn't that a happy ending? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> He's like, no, we're not going to kill them. You know, let's give them a feast. And he fills these guys up. They're all full. They're like, well, gosh, you know, he's a good guy. We can't, we can't kill this guy. So they go on their way. They go home. <laughs> I, just, I just love it. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I wish that I could have been there. I mean, maybe when we get to heaven, maybe, you know, I mean, God can do anything, right? Maybe we can go back in time and relive some of these things. I don't know. That's, don't base theology on that. Don't say that I, okay. I didn't say that's going to happen, but I'm just saying it'd be nice if it did. So anyway, okay, moving right along here. So uh, one other person I wanted to talk about was Enoch, just for a moment. Everybody knows Enoch? There's not very much said about Enoch in the Bible. Let me see if I can find that passage real quick here. All right. Genesis 5, 23 and 24. This is what it says about Enoch in the Old Testament. Uh, verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. After he begat Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And here we go in verse 24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Yeah, that's mystifying, isn't it? <laughs> that makes you ask questions. So if you uh, turn over in Hebrews, it says a little bit more about it in Hebrews. Not a lot, but a little bit. But it makes it more clear. It's really cool. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, 
Everybody needs to read Hebrews chapter 11. Talks about all the men of old. So let's see. 11 verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away. By faith, he was taken away. He didn't just disappear. It was by faith he was taken away. So he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Wow. I want that to be my testimony. And that's amazing. You know, that's, there's, that's to my knowledge, the only two passages that talks about Enoch in the Old Testament. Back in the days when they lived to be 900 years old, you know, it's like, wow, what was it like back then? But he only lived to be three, 365 years. He was a young man, young guy. And so anyway, oh, wow. You know, to think that he was, uh, th th this is my interpretation of what I'm reading here. He was so in the presence of God that God said, you know, this guy's always, I, I'm always in his presence. He's always wanting me there. He, he wants me. He, you know, he just has me living in my presence is living with him. So I think I'll just bring him right on into my presence and let him stay. You know, and I think that's exactly what happened. He just went straight. I mean, he was so tight with God that he went straight on into the presence of God and dwelt there, not just, not just in the spiritual realm, but in actuality. He was no more, the Bible says. Wow, that's, uh, that's really something to think about there. The reason I share that, though, in regard to these uh, examples is Elisha was a man, just like you and I, are men and women created in the image of God. He didn't have any special favors. He didn't have any special talents. He was just a man. And we can, as men and women created in the image of God, attain to great things. Jesus said, greater things will you do because I go to the Father. I think, you know, in the years ahead, we're probably gonna see more of that stuff. Personally, I think that's gonna happen more. But, uh, wow, uh, what an awesome thing it is to walk with God in that, in that manner. So <clears throat> this message, basically, I want to inspire us to go to that deeper place, you guys. That deeper place with God. It doesn't have to be spooky. It doesn't have to be arduous. It can just, you know, and I think we need to see and understand that it's a matter of loving God, you know, into that position, not that we're doing all the rules just right and we're following, you know, the commandments just right. That's not it. That's not the point. The point is love. I mean, there are rules, but the point is love. And the love of God, I mean, it, it conquers everything. As long as you abide in that love, you won't be conquered. Glory to God. What an opportunity he gives us. Amen? I want to say quickly here, don't have a lot of time, but... I'll just say very quickly, three types of Christians. Um, if you got Bibles there with you, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. There's three types of Christians. A lot of you guys have probably heard a lot of this, but it bears repeating. 1 Peter 2 and verse 2 talks about, number one, baby Christians. There's baby Christians. Okay. 
Therefore, in, in chapter 2, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing more awesome than seeing a new baby, right? I mean, babies are cute. They're just, they're adorable. You just love them. You just want to pour into them, you know, because they're just so awesome. I remember when my son Aaron was a baby. He didn't know I was going to talk about him. I remember when he was a baby and, uh, and his sister, I remember her when she was a baby. I remember holding them, giving them the bottle, you know, just, they're just looking up in your eyes and you're just giving them the bottle and oh, isn't that sweet? It was just, you know, it was a great moment. It's, it's awesome, that, that time in, in your kids' lives. It'd be a whole other thing if I sat down and, and Aaron sat on my lap and I was to feed him the bottle now. I, it, not only would it be really awkward, but people would say, what is wrong with this situation? What's, it'd be even more awkward if Cindy <laughs> sit there and hold Aaron and give him the bottle, right? So in the same way, you know, it's, it's awkward when baby Christians get stunted and they don't grow. And, uh, you know, they're not, it's not cute anymore, right? It's like, there's something wrong here. So there's baby Christians. Nothing wrong with being a baby. That's where we all start. But we just don't stay babies. We grow from there. So, so there's baby Christians, and that's a good thing. But the point is to grow from that. Number two is carnal Christians. You ever heard of carnal Christians? That's number two. I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Read just a little bit about that to describe that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Okay. <clears throat> and verse 1. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babies in Christ. I had to deal with you, even though you're an adult, and should be an adult, I have to deal with you just like you're still a baby. I have to still give you the bottle. It says in verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you're not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. And the reason why, in verse 3, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So, there's one passage there. Another passage I want to look at is in Hebrews chapter 5 to kind of further describe it. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is still a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You know, God has an expectation for us 
to grow from that point. And I would just, I'd boil it down to this just to bring it home to ourselves. Um, being a carnal Christian is nothing more than letting the circumstances dictate to us who we are. And letting circumstances and situations and people and things move us out of our position. So, I, I think you, you guys are all great, so I'm probably preaching to the choir here. But you know, the, the carnal Christian thing, I think there is a lot of people that should pay heed to that because there's a bigger plan and God's waiting on those people to get away from that so they can go on and be who he's made them to be. Because he has a job to do. He, he's got a plan. And the thing about it is he's so awesome that he wants us in, in that plan so he's not going to do anything on the earth without doing it through us. So let us not let anything be our Lord except Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Anyway, there's, there's more stuff in my notes about that, but I've got to move along here. So the third thing is spiritual Christians, mature Christians, okay? And we're right there in Hebrews, so we'll go to verse 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. This is talking about the spiritual mature person. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. They've gone through it, they've been through the school, they've passed the course, and they know how to rule and reign in life because they're spiritual Christians and they're not carnal, focused on the flesh. And that's, that's basically what carnal is, is flesh-focused, all right? Flesh-focused Christians are the ones with the fire insurance and Jesus in their portfolio. And I don't mean to sound crass or anything. I'm kind of having fun with it. But it is a matter that is to be taken seriously. That, you know, we've got a, a bigger place to go to. We've got more to do. And in the time and the age that we live in, I tell you what, Satan's coming in like a flood. He is. You know what? I'm not scared. Because God said, when Satan comes in like a flood, I will raise up the standard against him. Every time the flood comes, the standard comes stronger. And I tell you what, every time there's adversity, I mean, you look back in history and you see the children of Israel and what they went through in the wilderness, and then ultimately they never made it into the promised land because of their unbelief, unfortunately. But you know, in the wilderness, I mean, they, they saw the Red Sea part I mean, you know, these are amazing things. You know, they saw manna. They, for 40 years, they had manna. They had food from heaven. Every day was a miracle. I mean, man. And yet, you know, they, they didn't get in because of their unbelief. They didn't, they didn't graduate from the carnal and the flesh and looking at things with their senses, their eyes and their, their feelings and their hearing. They just, they determined what truth was based on their senses, sense knowledge. And because they couldn't get out of that place of sense knowledge, they couldn't inherit what God had provided for them. So, hallelujah. How do we walk in the Spirit? I want to look at, I'm getting to the point of being done here. Just, just maybe a few more minutes. Um, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. So I'm going to go next. 
Wow, it sure gets quiet in here. Galatians 2, verse 20. I've got a new Bible. My wife got me a new Bible for Christmas. Look at that. Isn't that nice? It's the Thompson Chainsaw reference. It gets, cuts right to the, <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. I mean, it's big and heavy, but anyway, I, I don't have it marked up yet like my other Bible, so it's harder to find stuff, you know. So anyway, <clears throat> Galatians 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. I don't live by senses. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. So, crucify the flesh. And, and I wanted to... I wanted to pause on that word for a moment, you know, because I think it's easy just to kind of gloss over it. But think about what the Bible's telling us here. We are to crucify the flesh. Now, none of us have been through horrible times like, you know, history and, and some of the third world countries have seen violence and all kinds of barbarism all the time. We're, we're pretty blessed. We haven't had to see that stuff. But... If we were to see a crucifixion, uh, it'd probably make us sick. I mean, just, it'd be awful. Well, that's, that's, what, uh, that's what God is saying, how we deal with the flesh. That, that's a strong statement. That's, that's, uh, that's violence, you know? Um, wow. I, I, you know, it just kind of made me think, uh, I mean, the flesh, man, I tell you what, it just... It has this zombie form where you crucify it and you put it on the altar and then the next day it, it comes up again and you know does this Frankenstein thing and it still wants to rule in your life but you know what it doesn't have to well that's why it says in 1st Corinthians chapter 15 verse 31 and very simply it says I die daily I die daily this is the Apostle Paul talking to uh, the Corinthians um, yeah, on a, on a kind of humorous note, um, I was told recently about, uh, everybody remember Catherine Kuhlman? This is, this is an, a lady that was on fire evangelist, you know, just, uh, there were miracles in her services and everything, and she was widely known, uh, this is probably back in the 70s primarily, I think, and Benny Hinn was, uh, one of those that you know served her and, and worked uh, uh, within her ministry. So Benny Hinn asked her one day, you know, because he, he's just kind of in awe of her, you know, because of how she moved in the Holy Spirit. And Benny says, Catherine, how do you do it? How, how do you flow with the Spirit of God? How do you move with the Spirit of God so much? It, it's just, it's like you are in step with Him. And she looked at him, and without batting an eye, she said, you must die. <laughs> and, you know, we laughed at that when we heard it, but it's like, oh, wow, ouch, wow, yeah, that's it. You know, it, it's a matter of, when we're talking about crucifying the flesh, 
This is what God's saying. You know, get rid of that thing. I mean, just mutilate it. You know, get it, get it out. Don't, don't put your flesh, your flesh desires, well, I think I'll just, you know, this ain't good. I know it's not right. Uh, it, uh, it's keeping me from God here. I'll just tuck it over in the corner where it's kind of out of the way. No, that ain't going to work. I, I think a lot of times, you know, even when you are killing the flesh, killing the old man, that it's easy to just put it in a coffin and, and almost, you know, be a little sorrowful seeing it go. We had such good times. I remember when, you know. And the bottom line is, everything that is of the flesh is death. It's death and it's to be crucified. It's to be not tolerated. I'm crucified. Wow, big term right there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, moving right along. I'm just getting ready to wrap up here. Let's turn to one more passage. Actually, you know what? I have two more passages, but they'll be quick, okay? So Matthew chapter 16. This is just another uh, point in the idea of being spiritually mature. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Listen to this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life is going to lose it. Whoever, desire, or whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? That makes you think. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Well, yeah, you know what the answer to that is. So when we deny ourselves, basically starving your flesh and feeding your spirit, that's how you overcome. I, I think I've given this illustration before when I've taught in times gone by, but I've got a cousin named John and I'll just share this with you briefly because it, it really impacted me. I still think of it to this, today, this day. This was back in 2004, it's been several years ago. But uh, John is my cousin, and his sister, which is obviously my cousin, was getting married. And so John and I, I was in my pickup pulling a, a cargo trailer, and uh, about a 12-foot cargo trailer, it wasn't a huge one, and we just had uh, things that we were taking to the reception. And so we got on the highway there. I mean, on a, I'm on the highway doing highway speed. And all of a sudden, um, I look in the rearview mirror and my trailer's going bye-bye. It disconnected from my pickup. That was an awful feeling, I'm telling you. So anyway, I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, that's what I said. Immediately, John, I'm telling you, just reflexively, John, my cousin, who is very spiritual, um, I mean, he just, he's an awesome guy. <laughs> he's sitting over there in the passenger seat, just, he said right away, he didn't go, oh my gosh, like I did. He said, in the name of Jesus, I command that trailer to go over to the side of the road and to stop and not hurt anybody. Boom. <laughs> it's like, whoa. <laughs> and you know what? That trailer 
like somebody was driving it. It just went right over to the shoulder, and then it hit the gravel, and, you know, the gravel started splaying out, and it just right to a stop, like somebody parked it there. <laughs> Isn't that great? And I, and I looked over at John, and I'm like, all I could say was, oh, my gosh. And, you know, wow. <laughs> and John immediately took authority. Wow. And you know what that says to me? If you're starving your flesh, apparently I wasn't starving my flesh very much. If, if you're starving your flesh and feeding your spirit, that's, that's what's going to come out of you. When you're in that moment, when you don't have time to think, you just got to act, that's what's going to come out. You know, you feed your spirit, the, the word's going to come out. That's going to set you free. And I thought, oh, man. I mean, I've never forgot that. It was a real lesson to me. It's like, wow. That's the way he lives, you know? I mean, that was just reflexive. Wow. That really made an impression on me. So the paradox of Christianity in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, is you got to lose life to gain life. You got to be humble to be exalted, right? You got to go low to get high. You got to give to receive. You know, all the kingdom of God is totally about sowing and reaping. When you sow the seed, the seed's dead. It's dead. But then look at the fruit that it produces. And that's where faith is, right there. You believe the word of God, no matter what things look like. You believe the word of God. And when you sow, he is faithful to give you a harvest. When you sow in faith. The world philosophy is to get what you can while you still can. Get, get, get. It's all about me. It's all about me getting my piece of the pie, right? That's, what, that's the world philosophy. That's how the dog-eat-dog -dog thing. But with God, it's a river mentality. There's always enough. There's always more than enough for everybody. It's a river of provision that he has for us. I mean, he's awesome. Okay, so I want to close with this passage in Proverbs chapter 2. And this kind of just summarizes everything here. Proverbs 2, verse 1 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment, well, what, is that, what does that tell you? This is somebody that's earnest crying out for discernment, seeing the value, seeing the treasure that it is. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, discernment. You know, how, how important is that? That's the treasure. I mean, God's the ultimate treasure, but that's, that's part of his nature. That's what it is. Okay. If you lift up your voice for understanding, you know, that to me is like, God, I want understanding. You know, it's, I'm earnest here. And it, there's something about that. God likes passion. He likes passion. He don't want robots. Just, I obey, master. He doesn't want that. He wants passion from his people because he's a passionate God. I mean, Jesus coming and dying on the cross was called the passion of the Christ. His passion for us, that he would die. Wow. Man, he's an awesome God. I know, I keep saying that. I'm going to keep saying that, too. It's true. 
If you seek her, okay, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver, here we go again, the treasure being God, and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. Isn't that good? That's God's promise. Tell you what, when we, when we have promises from God, we need to capture those things. Because if we don't, the enemy will steal them away. I'll tell you one more thing as I close. Um, when I got healed nine years ago, uh, my, my lower back, it was a bummer. I, I, I won't go through everything because it takes too long. But the bottom line was, in one night, I basically had to fight for my healing because it was level 10 pain. And I was just, you know, the Lord told me to praise him. I didn't want to. Didn't feel like it at all. In fact, it kind of made me mad. It's like, well, I don't want to praise you right now. I, I'm hurting bad. But I praise God anyway because that's what he said to do. And it just, you know, felt weird even coming out of my mouth because I felt like, well, I really don't mean it. But okay, I'm doing it by faith. And so, so I praised God, and I kept praising God, and I kept praising God, and I kept praising God. And there was a moment when I, I mean, it's just like, you know, when, I have, when you have a gas stove and you, you turn on that, uh, uh, turn on the stove, and it goes, just like that. There was a moment, that's exactly what happened in my spirit, just a, and I'm telling you, I was ready to fight then. I was ready to fight. I was gonna have my healing, period. I mean, I just, I got that within me. I'm just going to have it. I'm, and I was indignant. I'm going to have it. It's mine. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, yeah, take it. I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it. It's mine. I got it. I'm still at level 10 pain, okay? It's, I mean, it's the kind of pain you can't lay still because it hurts too bad. But so you got to, oh, you know, you got to kind of writhe, you know, but then it hurts to writhe, but you know whatever i mean you just you're just hurting really bad and so i just kept praising god and taking it i mean i did this for i, I know at least a couple hours and the next thing i remember it was morning i woke up i was like okay wait a minute the pain didn't ever decrease and i like okay now I think I can go to sleep. No, I was just praising God, praising God. Hallelujah, I'll take it, it's mine. And then the next thing I know, I'm opening my eyes like somebody gave me anesthetic. And the first, the first thing I noticed was, wow, I went to sleep. The second thing was, there's no pain. Oh, wow. And you know, it, it just, I mean, if anybody's had lower back pain and it's you know, severe and chronic, it, it feels like you just got a vice just clamping down on your back. I mean, it's just a bummer. I mean, you just, my wife had to put my socks on for me and, you know, I mean, it, it was just awful. But anyway, from that experience, the reason I share that just briefly is um, from that experience, I learned uh, that God has a way through every situation. And, and it's like, you know, I, I really... Man, it just gave me a whole new thing with, with healing. You know, it's like, it just, it helped me to really go to the next step with that, I guess you could say. Because it's like, wow, I experienced it. I mean, I didn't just see a miracle. The miracle was in me. He did a miracle in me. And, and the Lord shared, just like a movie in my head, 
the Lord shared with me that he has gifts for all of his children. You know, promises of God are there. And so I could see God with a gift, and it was wrapped, you know, like a present. And he, was, and he came to me. I mean, I, I, it was just kind of like a movie in my head, you know. I just saw this image of God having a present and going, here you go, son. And me going, oh, thank you, and reaching out to get it. And right then, Satan came in just right on the side. You're just like, whoa, you know, all of a sudden he's there. And I'm telling you, he took that present and he snatched it just violently. He just yanked it. And he looked at me and said, who do you think you are? You can't have this. You don't deserve this. Look what you did last week. Do you see what you did yesterday? And, and just on and on, just bam, bam, bam with the insults, you know, and, and with, and it's like, well, I mean, he was right. I, I messed up, you know. He's, he's right. I messed up. But then that same indignation rose up on the inside of me, and I'm like, I've got the blood of Jesus covering me, and you will not have your way. I will take what God's provided for me because I'm a Christian, I'm born again, and I don't live by the dictates of the flesh, and I don't, I'm not controlled by you. You know, I, I'm just paraphrasing some of the things that I could see myself saying to Satan, and then I went right over to him, and I just grabbed that package and yanked it back, just yanked it from him with force. And I, I make that point because it's important that we capture the promises of God. I tell you what, it's, it's easy to be complacent and to just, well, you know, let this area slide a little bit because I got to deal with this. And so we kind of let that slide a little bit, let this slide a little bit. No, in all the areas of our lives, we've got to take the authority of the word of God and believe what he says in the face of all adversity when it looks its worst, that's when God comes through. He always comes through. He always makes a way. And that verse, um, I don't have the passage, but it's the verse that talks about temptation and how God always provides a way of escape. Well, the Lord told me, well, that isn't just like sexual temptation or you know what you commonly attribute whatever temptation is. He said, that's the temptation to not believe my word. But God has provided a way to escape that. And if we look for that way in faith, we're going to find it. So, hallelujah. Praise God. Why don't you guys uh, stand up with me and we'll just get this thing closed out here. Sorry I went a little bit long. Yeah, when I don't stand up here for a long time, I forget how many notes it takes to do 40 minutes. So, that's my excuse. <laughs> So anyway, praise God, you know, uh, God has awesome things for us, you guys. I want to leave you on that note that there is so much that all of us has been gifted with. We, we don't have any excuse to not have victory. He's given it to us. But we got to soak ourselves with the truth. And it's a daily thing. Like Paul said, I die daily. And that's, that means we lay down the flesh every day. We crucify that flesh. We don't have any mercy on it. And we, we live by the Spirit. And believe me, I don't stand here telling you as one that's accomplished it all. I'm telling you as one that's just like you where we're fighting the good fight of faith. We're in the battle. And we're going to win it. Glory to God. 
Well, let's just close our eyes and we'll just uh, close in prayer. (sighs) Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you. What an awesome God you are, Lord. I just, there are sure times, Lord, where I can just see so clearly how awesome you are and, and the provision that you've given us, Lord. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Lord, there is nothing too hard for you. And we don't have to look at ourselves and look at our own strength, God. We just look to you. It's you, God. It's all about you, Lord. We just give you the glory and the praise. Hallelujah. You're an awesome God. You're an exciting God. (laughs) Hallelujah. We just thank you, Lord, for the life you've given us, the freedom you've given us, Lord. I just pray, Lord, we'll just go forth tonight from this place just uh, refreshed and, and inspired, Lord, to just seek you more, to go to that deeper place with you, God, to not be afraid to do that, but to enjoy just becoming more intimate with you, God, becoming more real with you, less religious and more real. Hallelujah. So, Lord, that's my prayer over all of us here tonight, God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. I tell you what, you guys, let's just lift both hands for just a moment, and let's just end on a praise note tonight. Just give them your praise. Just just go ahead and praise them right now. God, we just exalt you. We exalt you above the circumstances, above every situation, above every hardship, Lord, above the hurts, the pain. We exalt you above it, Lord, because you're greater. You're the greater one. Excuse me. Lord, we just give you praise and glory and honor because you're worthy. There is no one like you in all the earth, God. You're our Savior, Lord. We don't let any other idol come in the way, Lord. You are our Savior and our King. And we just worship you, Jesus. You're precious, God. You're precious, faithful, and true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.